Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. And my name is Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Today we'll be discussing Season 4, Episodes 1 and 2 of the AMC series, titled Masada and Last Supper, respectively. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic book, and by extension, any future plot lines of the show... We will be discussing the details of the series through Season 4, Episode 2, so pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. That's the letter G, number 2, letter T, podcast.com. We're also G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preachers so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast and finally, if you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz slash Patreon and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K and Gojo, who have pledged at the level of $10 plus per month. Thank you, guys. Yes. We're back. We are back. It's the final season of Preacher. Afraid so. I don't think we've spoken about that in any real <laughs> official capacity. No, we didn't do a little primer episode for the season. No. Uh, any feelings on that? On us not doing a primer? <laughs> no, no, on, <laughs> on on it being the final season. I, I mean, ahead of, you know, we've seen two episodes of it so far, but any any feel, are, are you conflicted? Do you feel like it's right? Do you think there's not enough time? Do you? I don't think, I don't, uh, I don't think there's enough time, but I don't know what their roadmap is. I so, it definitely seems like they're going to hit the gas with some of the stuff that I see coming. I would love five seasons. Yeah. I think there's a lot that they're going to do in this season that'd be great, but I feel like I really would love a fifth season. Do you think there's room to stick the landing and be like, okay, it's not maybe not the greatest adaptation or best. I don't know. I guess adaptation is the word I'm looking for of the comic <laughs> book, but it's still a good thing in its own right. Like, I guess we kind of already feel that way. I think they can stick the landing of the show. I th I thought so at the beginning of episode one. <laughs> and then at the end of episode one, I said, maybe not. Because <laughs> we started pedaling up a hill and then just released the pedals and slid back down to the bottom mm -hmm. of the hill. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like, I thought they were just going to blitz through a lot of Masada in all Two of episodes. Masada effectively yeah. in one episode. Yeah. I thought they were going to do it in the first episode. And then when Cass just goes back in and is like, I got it. I yeah. was like, well, what the <laughs> What are we doing? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> I, I do think they can stick the landing of the show. At this point, I think all hopes for me being with it satisfied with an adaptation have gone out the window okay which i'm really sad to report this adaptation of preacher will not be the adaptation of preacher it's basically. it's probably going to be the only one we'll ever maybe get, but, but i don't think it, it's not going to achieve what i wanted it to achieve so i hate to start out the final season on a dour note like that but it's how i feel well uh th however there is uh there is stuff in the opening sequence and uh yeah mostly in the opening sequence that teases a lot of things to come in the season and i was like ooh, i'm i'm i'll voice my displeasure right here i hate the fact that the season that the that the show opener has some spoilers has spoilers yes i see spoilers for anybody who didn't notice it but i see jesse with an eye patch on and i'm like what the fuck yeah. i don't need to know that right now i know like, 
Well, but obviously I have no context for in it. In their so no in their way. mind, maybe people who have who have even Googled like preacher. I mean, if you Google Jesse Custer or Preacher, half the images will probably be Jesse with the eye patch. I probably saw it at some point too. Right, and I'm uh, it's almost more it. iconic than him without it in yeah. a way. But that was one of like the two or three things in this episode that made me like fist pump, and I was like really excited about because uh, I don't I don't think they have I didn't think they had time to do that shit. Yeah. And then when I saw it, and I was like, okay, I guess we do. Well, and that's when I got excited. And when they were halfway through mas- the Masada breakout, I was like, all right, fuck, whatever, we're gonna we're gonna do. 40 issues of the comic in nine episodes. Cool. Yeah. Like, I'm in. And, <laughs> but then they're not. <laughs> so I was like, all right. And that's the thing about preachers. A lot of the arcs are, they're brisk. Yeah. Even if there are six issues, which feels like, okay, that was six months worth of comics or whatever, that's brisk. Like, mm-hmm. they, they go, especially when you're reading, they, they breeze by, which is great because they're over the breadth of the whole series, a lot goes down. Mm-hmm. And so the, the notion of them doing, if they wanted to hammer out like three more of the really big arcs in two episodes each for this season, I'd be I'd be so down. Because honestly, <laughs> that, I feel like that's what you wanted out of the show in season one. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they've spent so much time just just kicking rocks yeah. and 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 killing time. And I was thinking back on the previous three seasons, and I was like, you know, I really liked season three. I didn't really like season two. I think looking back, season two was kind of like season two of a lot of shows where it just kind of was like, well, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. And season one, I liked a lot, even though it was the biggest departure from the book because nothing in it ever happened in the book, really. Or it yeah. happened over the span of one issue and a flashback. So mm-hmm. no big deal. But this season, I got kind of excited by that idea. And now I was like, well, we'll see. I mean, we're two episodes in. If we were only one episode in, I'd be a little more like, we'll see what happens. With yeah. two, you know, this is 10 total. Yes. Yeah? Okay. Yep. So... Uh, we only got eight more to kind of figure this thing out. And granted, they're roughly an hour-ish, 45 minutes, whatever. Like, you can cover a lot of ground in that time. They just need to do it. Yeah. And at this point, my head is spinning. <laughs> I don't... I just don't know what the goal was for, for Rogan and Goldberg. What did they, what did they want to, to do with this Preacher adaptation? And, you know, sub-bullet point to that, are they going to be able to do it? And yeah. are they going to be happy with it? And B what's the point of it all? Like when I finish the book, when I read all of preacher, I sit back and I could just think for like a day about all the stuff that's going on, which is really funny because Ennis really, Ennis and Dylan, I should give them both credit, really envisioned it almost as kind of a parody. Like they're kind of making fun of a lot of stuff. And yet in doing that, they made a really breathtaking story in my opinion. And, uh, I'm, I, I I leave that experience of reading it even after the, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to read it all again after this is all done. And that'll probably be my sixth or so read through. Uh, I'm totally going to be left with all the same feelings and questions and, and ponderings that I have every other time. And with the show, I feel like it's going to end and I'm going to, I'm going to wonder why, what were they trying to say? Yeah. Even if, you know, you leave, when I leave the book, I, I, there's usually like several main themes I can draw on and there's not just one overarching message, uh, but with a show, I'm going to kind of be left wondering, like, what was the point? It's yeah. kind of what I feel like we're driving towards. But it's it's early. It's a little premature for me to say that. I got to let it run its course. They must have had, in this day and age, they must have had a contingency plan for, okay, if we get canceled at season two, what are we going to do? If we get canceled at three, four, five, whatever. And I don't know how many they wanted. If yeah. they even, you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to give uh, Rogan and Goldberg that much credit <laughs> thinking <laughs> yeah. ahead. 
they're not necessarily the visionary minds of like uh, Nolan and Joy, so to speak. But well, and the stuff they they've gone on to do, like the boys just launched on Amazon. They have other irons in the fire, so it's like where they like, hey, w- w- was there a thing we want to get preacher to the screen, or like this is a story we want to tell? Exactly, like, like how beholden was the was the message and and the book to them? And I know they're big fans, but I wonder if they're just fans of the violence and and humor, or if they're fans of the the text in a in a bigger way. Yeah. And either way is fine. I mean, they got to adapt it. That's great. And they've done a lot of it, a lot of justice. But there's a lot. There's a few little things like uh, I was just listening. I have really bad re- memory retention of a lot of stuff. And I was just listening to our season three recap because I was like, I don't even know what what I said. <laughs> and I was listening to it. I was like, oh, Lance was on it. Cool. Like, I don't even remember. <laughs> but the we talk at length in there. I shouldn't say length. It was like five minutes. But about the like the fuck communism later. Yep. And how how important that should be, and I was like literally laughing listening to it, like it's still not important, no. and yet they're they're trying to make it important. But it was yeah, it was still like a. But like, no one knows why, yeah, unless you've read the comic, and it went from being like fan service Easter egg type thing to like now it's a crucial plot point. But we, you know, well it was did, like a MacGuffin. Do you feel like you should give a shit about the lighter? Like, do you understand why he would turn around from the airport and drive back to go get this lighter? I do, but I think I mostly well, I, so I think in season three we did learn like Jody does say say something to him about it in that final fight that they have in season three episode 10 as as from my memory right um but yeah is it believable that he'd turn around stop his journey put put a stopper in the journey to turn around and go get the lighter i don't know like it doesn't seem that like that that is a very jesse custer thing to do yeah but in the book it's motivated yeah it's much more motivated and i i'm gonna try really hard this final season to not just bring all my book baggage in with me and, but they're and, trying to have it both ways and i'm not gonna i'm <laughs> one of the really funny thing at the beginning of our recap was like lance saying he was grateful for us being critical of stuff because yeah, he would think he would think something's good he would like it too much <laughs> yeah, he would like it and then he'd listen to us and go yeah why did that happen <laughs> and it was so funny to listen to because it's such a lance thing to say but it also made me feel kind of bad and I, as i was listening to the episode i like said aloud just now i was like man why why is that why does he like that and then in the show i was like why is that good and i was like okay good good past me and current me agree <laughs> <laughs> that I don't want to I don't want to take away from anybody else's enjoyment. So I'm not going to try to project onto you that you shouldn't be satisfied with his motivation to go get the lighter. But I'm I'm just kind of a little I'm kind of mourning the fact that you don't have all that to bring in with you and they could have done more with John Custer and Jesse's past and just to make those little things matter more. But anyway, this is another classic tangent. Well, speaking of John Custer, we can get to the first episode yeah, of this it. season. Um I there was only other thing with the title that I wanted to say, and it, it was funny listening to that season wrap up as well, the season three wrap up. Uh, I mentioned something about like, so does Mark Harlick become like a main cast member? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he actually he's, did. He's, this he season, made the credits, which I was like, oh, that's great. And then I was like, oh wait, that's also not great because we were kind of like, does God really need to be a main character? And so far, I think even though he's in the main credits. It seems like he's still just kind of he's he was sprinkled in these first two episodes. It wasn't like he has one monumental thing to do in this season that we've already. If you are familiar with the book, you based on the things that we've kind of already started talking about, you know, that God comes into play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he doesn't need to be in every episode, but so far he has been, which is fine. I guess just a glimpse of him. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, talk more about that in episode two. Let's talk about the teaser of season four, episode one, Masada. 
Uh, time for my well-written recaps. Let's see if I can stumble all over them with my tongue. Excellent. Tulip and Cassidy convene in a hotel bedroom, preparing to get into somewhere secure while hearing screams from outside. Mm -hmm. Cassidy shares a joke to lighten the somber tone, and Tulip goes in for a kiss, leading them to make out. Cut to Australia, where Jesse falls out of a plane over the desert and crash lands, seemingly dead. Cut to a couple months earlier, with Jesse and Tulip driving in the car in the desert in the Middle East, reaffirming their love for each other till the end of the world. So this seems like a flash forward of some kind given the couple months earlier yes. title card that shows up um what did, did you did you think they were just, they just skipped over a lot of stuff <laughs> did, the, did you think they skipped over Masada when when we cut to Cassidy and Tulip in the in you the know bedroom? I didn't even I didn't even put any thought into it I just yeah. kind of let it play out because okay. I, th I thought it was going to be like a Cassidy daydream or something mm. but then I saw his like dyed hair yeah. and I was like well we'll see and then it cut to the to the Jesse plane thing and I was like oh mm got it mm -hmm. and i got real excited yeah that i think i was actually smiling like sitting on my couch like okay interesting and th and there was another detail in the plane moment though uh was it was it like the airline or something like that no no okay something else going on in the same shot okay i, oh, I didn't yeah. i might not have i might not have uh okay yeah my only notes that i wrote down were cut to plane over australia someone falling out jesse crash lands in the desert seemingly dead yeah. <laughs> those are the only two bullets that i wrote down for something it, so. yeah yeah okay that's funny i don't it's not a spoiler because it's in the show but i don't want to bring any i don't want to call any attention to it interesting <laughs> because it's, well now you're making it, me want to go is, and turn it on it so is I a direct result of my favorite confrontation in the book interesting and i I'm really excited to see that happen. But that's the thing is I want that shit to happen in like episode four. Like, yeah, because we got a lot, we got a lot to do. Like let's, let's get, let's get going. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. They're whatever. We'll talk about it. <clears throat> Anything else? I loved all that, that teaser. Yeah. I, all that is great. Okay. Loved it. Still on the, on the train. Yeah. All right. Act one. Featherstone takes cast through a tour of Masada and shackles on their way to the advanced torture class taught by guest lecturer Franker T Frankie Toscani. Franker. Franker. <laughs> Frankie <laughs> uses a Lee Enfield rifle to continually shoot at Cass. Jesse and Tulip use the word to pick up backup in the form of a squad of Grail employees at the local Holy Bar and Grail Motel. The Saint and Eugene arrive at Angelville to find that Jesse has moved on. Uh, how do you feel about the look of Masada? Like the the interior, does it feel? It's uh, it's true enough, but yeah. with some with it serves a very different function. Yeah, it's not like a Grail training ground in the book. Okay, it's like where the All Father lives, and okay. it's kind of their. It's where uh, uh, I think Humperdoo lives there too. Yeah, it's kind of their their most sacred site, mm -hmm. and in the show, it's a little more like Grail University. Gra yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, Grail yeah. Quantico. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the Starbucks coffee thing was it Lazarus coffee? Is that what it's called? Yes. Yep. God, that made me laugh. Like that that really killed me. The stained glass humperdew window was <laughs> phenomenal. Was really I was like, oh man, that's just. There are a lot of great jokes, and even the like beginner torture, intermediate, advanced, like that made me chuckle. I was like, that's this low hanging fruit, but it got me. I thought that was funny. Yeah, the was Starbucks say... joke was honestly the funniest thing to me. Like the. I wish that they had just gotten the rights to make it a straight up Starbucks because a star a little a little Starbucks inside of Masada would have killed me. Perfect. And then like they should have had like a Sabaro around the corner from that and I would have I would have lost it. 
it was very technically it, a mall according to the rules it, that's it yes yeah, if you have a sabaro there was a mall uh yeah that was so funny I thought that was a great simple it was one of those really perfect preacher jokes it just like it didn't say starbucks but it may as well have like yeah. the way the counters looked and everything i was like this is great yeah loved it the um the so there is a there is the University of the Grail sign that they do show for a second and it has a like an established date in um, Roman numerals so that the year of is nineteen sixty five and I was trying to find <laughs> any really? type of any real like <laughs> what what significant religious or like political thing happened in sixty five that would have led to like this expansion of the Grail but oh, I couldn't that's necessarily hilarious. find anything. That's so. so much more recent than I thought it would have yeah. said. That's that's great. So if if anybody else actually has that well that's what I maybe I made a mistake and typed in the Roman numerals wrong, but it wasn't. No, very, that very, could easily be accurate. Yeah. I mean it's it seems that's why I'm laughing so hard because it you think it's like founded like two yeah. eighty yeah, exactly. <laughs> <or something. laughs> But, but uh, yeah, if anybody really else has good. any insight for what significance 1965 could have, let me know. Frankie, um, Frankie Toscani Frankie. with that rifle is awesome. That's straight up, like really perfect out of the comics. My, I was I was worried when I saw Cass in the uh, in his cell mm. initially that they were just going to keep him there. chained up. Yeah, yeah, and. Then they brought him into that like operating theater looking room, and I was like, "Here we go!" Because in the book, he's in that, okay. but he's just like down in the pit. It's much higher walls, and that's where he's just kept. Okay, he's not in like a cell. Excuse me. And uh, yeah, Frankie just keeps like shooting his limbs off and shit. He like blows his arms and legs off in the book, so he can't really get out. I mean, he can't get out anyway because they're super high walls, and he just keeps shooting his limbs off, basically. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. I really liked seeing that kind of going down. Frankie Toscani played by Lackey Holm. I don't know how to say his name properly, but that might be it. Um, how do you feel about that representation of Frankie? Does it feel like it's, Frankie from the books? Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, I thought it was Daniel Baldwin at first. Ah. Uh, like yeah. the the fattest Baldwin. The, yeah. <laughs> and I don't uh, know if he's the elder Baldwin or not. No, I think Alec is Alec actually the oldest. Be, yeah. But Daniel. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was him, and then I, I looked it up, and I was like, oh no. I know that guy. I know that guy's name, but I don't know what else he's been in. Yeah, he apparently played Sparks in the Matrix Matrix Revolutions, whatever oh, that's good yes, for. Yes, that classic <laughs> character, the, Sparks. The third line of action figures that came out from that. <laughs> um, I liked him a lot. I laughed out loud. I can't remember if this is the part where he mentions the five boroughs. I think that's in the next section. But because of our recent Gotti, Gotti yes, viewing yes. that we had, he said something about the five boroughs, and I just started <laughs> laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah if anybody hasn't watched Gotti, probably don't but watch some... it with your friends like yes. you would watch the room and you'll have a great time imagine us just laughing at it the entire time well we we did a double feature yes of aquaman and Gotti. yes which one did we watch first it aquaman? Was aquaman was first oh what is wrong with us <laughs> Well, I assumed we were only going to watch a couple minutes of Gotti and we then collectively decide to turn it off <laughs> but then we watched the entire film so at like late yeah it, it was it probably like, like 130 or something i don't know i don't think it was that late i think it was anything because we probably started aquaman closer to like 7 seven thirty, and then that's that means, like three hours yeah it was probably close to like 11 30 ish anything after 10 p.m is is late now is late at this yeah. age yeah but it was a lot of fun it was a good double feature it yeah. worked yeah somehow and got Gotti somehow informed uh frankie toscani for me yeah. a little bit see there you go it's all circle life yep 
Um, what do you think of the Holy Bar and Grail Motel? That was funny. Yeah. Uh, the the song that they sing they're they're what do they call oh it? that was a great sequence yeah the, yeah. the their fascist uh yeah i forgot all about that theme that was, was pretty good i really liked that whole sequence yeah yeah that was really uh, that was very preacher to me too like preacher can reach these weird places of like like they're funny but they're also creepy but they're also surreal and kind of beautiful in a weird mm-hmm. way like not that like what they were saying was good but just like the 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 cinema of the moment is really nice. Yeah. And the show's done that a lot. And I'm, yeah. I'm always really into it when it reaches this kind of weird place that you can tell a lot of thought went into how it was going to be done. Yeah. And I felt a lot of that throughout the whole series. There's a lot of those moments. And in this, in these first two episodes, there weren't a ton of those moments for me, which kind of bummed me out. Like I wanted those sequences of like, yeah. uh, but this was one where I was like, Oh, this is cool. This is different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I liked, that, oh. I liked that the jukebox was also like, <laughs> had, like, had it loaded up like that came on yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. somebody went and punched in the button yeah. yeah uh and then this is the only glimpse of eugene and and the saint that we get so far this season which i think okay like i was like all right mm-hmm. yeah the <laughs> the saint moment was perfect yeah where he just goes oh he's moved on and he turns around and heads in that direction i was like that's sweet, but I just don't understand what the hell Eugene is doing with him or what the hell they're doing with Eugene, the yeah. showrunners. Like, I just don't get it, but I, I'm excited as hell. This is the one reason I was glad that we're not done at Masada was I was like, the saint has got to get to Masada yeah. and shoot everything because <laughs> it's so <laughs> rad, but there, yeah, there's an issue in the books. I don't remember if the saint is on his way to Masada or if he's on his way back to the States. There's just this random end of one of the issues. Like the the regular stuff happens, and like the last page, it shows like this ship on the seas and during like a storm. And you're like, what the hell? And and there's like a couple panels that show like dead guys on the ship. And then the final panel, the whole page on the book is just the saint standing at the bow of the ship, like in the <laughs> in, at nighttime in the midst of this like hurricane, and you just just standing there like riding it towards <laughs> Jesse. It's so good. I was wondering if Eugene was gonna ride the saint like in Swiss Army Man, like across <laughs> the sea. I don't think so. That's a shame. But anything's right. possible. Yeah. Act two, as Frankie escalates his torture technique to continual uh circumcision on Cassidy Jesse shows up to Masada to speak to Hare Star. Star has gone to great lengths to ensure Jesse can't use the word on anyone. Jesse tries to bargain for Cassidy with the offer of undoing the word and allowing Star to wear hats again if he takes off his ear protection, but Star declines and explains that they lured Jesse here to carve a giant vagina in his head. Jesse signals to one of the henchmen in the room who was at the bar singing previously to open fire on the other men in the room. Um... I think it's great that they just got Jesse there. We were contemplating in the last, in the season wrap up of like, are they going to spend a season getting to Masada or what's that going to be like? So I'm, I'm happy that they were just like, all right, Jesse's Jesse's in the middle East at Masada or wherever they set Masada and we're getting to business. He shows up episode one. Cool. I loved, I forgot to mention like when the title card just said middle East in all caps, I thought that was super funny because I was like, they don't, care to be specific (laughs) and they probably figured like (laughs) anyone who's in america was too stupid to know where anything specific (laughs) in the middle east is so we'll just say middle east and call it that 
You, I think you mentioned last season that Masada is typically in France. I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. So a little I, I bit mean, of a change. Masada is probably a real place. It could be. Let me find out. I don't know. Why don't you find out. What's if the your keyboard is faster? Masada Wikipedia. <laughs> Masada no. is an ancient fortification in the southern district of Israel. Situated on top of an isolated rock plateau akin to a mesa. Yeah, that's All it. Right, so it is a real place. Yeah, I don't know why I thought it was in France. All the there's a well, there's a French guy that's at that's at the Grail headquarters, I think, right? Yeah. Well, in the book, they have a bunch of French uh, people, French spe- French only speaking people there to thwart Jesse's use of the word. Interesting. Um, so I just assumed it was, but it doesn't make sense with the with the geography or the uh, like. The, the landscape yeah um, i don't think there's anywhere like that in france so yeah so it it, it is the legit masada interesting um, i'm just too stupid to look <laughs> where it was all this time um i thought it was really funny that they just had one dude with a metal detector and like a single table at the front oh, door God, i was dying that was so funny it was perfect and the, and that he like obeys it yeah <laughs> yeah so he's funny. like all right i'll go over right <laughs> and then like later on when it comes to the play and they're just this line it's like this bottleneck of yeah people trying to get to the metal detector <laughs> and he's like at the one bin oh god that was so funny because i've been through plenty i mean obviously you go to airport security yep. and you know you're used to it like it's a production mm-hmm. when you go somewhere like a like a county concert or something like well yeah or like, like a, a big yeah like a tiger's game is more yeah. legit like you go to like a, a courthouse or something or like when when my wife and I had to go get our marriage certificate before our wedding. I mean, uh, we were out in the uh, I think it's in Oakland County somewhere. Anyway, they had like two metal detectors. Yeah. And I was like, it feels like you should have more like in a building <laughs> yeah. like this where everyone has to go through in the morning. But it was so quick and casual compared to like the airport that I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> it, is yeah. A, it is a funny process i'm surprised jesse didn't have to take his shoes off that would have that would have been the kicker <laughs> if he had to take his shoes off and shoes and belts his boots yeah. and belt yeah exactly yeah get padded down absolutely yeah that was a really f- i like i did like again i was pleasantly surprised that he was just walking up to it i was like all right and the confrontation with star was not super unlike his confrontation with uh with the all father that is how it goes down in the books too like he just kind of walks in and is like you're gonna give me my friend and they're like well no we're not so i well and i guess uh, this is where it gets kind of sticky because I, I'm kind of, if we are to do, if this podcast were to continue and I were to learn how to read <laughs> or have you read the comics to me <laughs> right. and show me the pictures, of course, um, you know, w- we know that the all fathers present at Masada. So I don't know how much things <laughs> will be different and how much things are not like is, is the idea of. Obviously, there's more to it in the show, but is the idea of Star wanting to carve a vagina in Jesse's head from the book? No, it's just no. kind of like the reactionary, like, oh, this seems like something he would do. But obviously, by the end of the episode, we realize there's a bigger plan with God involved. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When he initially said that, I was like, that's stupid. Yeah. Star would just try to kill him. Yeah. It would honestly be more of the all father being like, no, don't kill him. We need him. And mm-hmm. Star would just be like, let me kill him. Yeah. Star's okay. the All-Father now, right? Yeah, because his picture's yep. on the wall with all the other All-Fathers past, yes. which yeah. cracked me up. Yes. And yeah. all in their different frames. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, all, the, the All-Father, All-Father is in like the biggest, biggest possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very good. Uh, I don't think that anything else crazy happened there. I liked the push to close button as well. It says push to close really big underneath this big red button that's oh, inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of like, 
economy of like we want you to know that you can't open the door from the lobby you can only open it from above which you know they kind of oh that cracked me up too i i thought initially i didn't get the joke that they would be going for later yeah but i thought just the waving the flag was super funny i was yeah. like this is a really like it's I, such that a production made me, that made me chuckled yeah it's <laughs> it's just such like an archaic yeah thing to do instead of having like a walkie-talkie or something like that and yeah. just like wait wave this red flag <laughs> And that whoever's up there also looks wearing like a Featherstone wig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, is that a dude who has the same haircut? Yes. Well, they, I think she tweeted. She live tweeted the whole premiere through some account. I can't remember what it was. There's probably a good write out out there. Oh, Julianne Emery did? Yeah. That's awesome. But she said that the dude who was up there did have a Featherstone wig on. That's perfect. Like, because they wanted him to, basically. Why not? I didn't question it. I just thought it was funny. I was yep. like, all right, this is the, this is the do. Yeah. Here at Masada. Yeah, the, the brunette He-Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, act three, Jesse finds his way to Cassidy and handily beats Frankie and his class to free Cass from his restraints. Cassidy doesn't seem extremely excited to see him. Tulip is being brought in by her new employees under the guise of her getting caught reconnoitering. However, one of those new employees, Tammy, blows their cover when she disobeys the doorman, which starts a fracas. In shooting the doorman, Tammy causes the doorman's head to hit the door close button, and Tulip orders her to keep the door open. The door can't be stopped, though, and Tammy gets crushed. Um, I don't really understand what's going on with Jesse and Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about this earlier. The, the relationship between them is the exact inverse of what it is in the books. Yeah. Like in the books... Cassidy is a bad dude, but he's really likable. So that's the same. He's still likable. But he and Jesse never fight in the books. They never beef about anything. They're just like thick as thieves. Jesse is almost blind to his clear like defects and manipulation and stuff. And Tulip's always the one being like, no, like he, I don't like him. <laughs> Look at what he's and, doing. Exactly. Yeah. And Jesse's like, no, he's a good guy. He's just having a hard time kind of thing. Well, and in the show, it's like the opposite. Like Tulip is pretty cool with him, and Jesse is always like locking horns with him. And Cass is a good, gooder guy <laughs> in the show. And I kind of thought <laughs> he's the goodest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had a note on my phone that I, j- I don't remember at what point in the episode I wrote it, but I just wrote I miss comic Cass. Mm. And I know, you know, step on anybody's toes here. Show Cass is great, mm-hmm. and I'm still hoping for a little bit more true to comic Cassidy action to come and I think we got maybe a hint of it at some point in this episode but I, I'm just kind of like it 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 worked fine for the show but at this point I think we're all kind of like what well the, what the fuck like, we spent all of season three being like when is the crew getting back together right and, and, and you know finally you get like Jesse coming to rescue Cass in this episode and the weird thing to me like the thing that threw me off the most was you get these shots of Cassidy watching Jesse as he's beating everybody up and Cassidy at first smiles at Frankie getting getting beaten because you assume with the constant circumcision going on he's probably relieved to see the power kind of taken out of Frankie's hands yeah but then he also like notices the pleasure that Jesse's taking in it, and he almost gets disgusted at it. Like that's what I read off of his yeah. face, and I don't really know why. Like I don't. Well, I think it's twofold. I think uh, 
he's kind of seeing in Jesse the same glee out of beating all these people up that Frankie was kind of getting mm. out of hurting him. He's just seeing somebody happy to inflict pain on people. Yeah. And it's definitely not a stretch to think that Jesse enjoys beating people up. Yeah. He loves it in the book. Like, But he's usually beating up, in his mind, people that deserve it. Mm-hmm. And he's usually not taking so much pleasure. Like by the end of a good fight, he's like, oh, yeah, we that was we beat their asses. Hell yeah, kind of thing. But yeah. he's not like, it's not quite so like sadistic. As, yeah. As it's kind of like a we showed him, not like, oh, I, yeah. I really beat the shit out of that dude. Right. Or like I, I made that guy hurt. Yeah. And I also think it's Cass being upset that he's not the hero okay like because later he's like i got this and yeah it's yeah. the i got this thing and he's also like he, he said he has one line i forgot he's only one kind of thing about like uh jesse coming to rescue him kind of thing like he just yeah. i think he is sick of being the sort of the damn sidekick yeah he's tired of being robin and it, i think in his perhaps in his past he was more of a batman and okay. with jesse He'll never be Batman to Jesse. Like, yeah. sorry. Like, that's that's part of the character of Jesse Custer is he's just, like, the ultimate, like, alpha male, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he's got the word, too. So he's got the word. He's got Tulip. He's got everything. And Je- Cassie's finally looking at him like, well, I just, I don't measure up to that guy, and he doesn't really like it. Yeah. And in the book, Cass is more of just a straight-up survivor, which is part of what makes him so despicable in at certain times is, like, He'll just do whatever it takes to survive. And so he'd be happy to be bailed out. Yeah. He'd be like, hell yeah, buddy. Like, that was awesome. We showed them. Yeah, now let's go off and and do a bunch of drugs and, like, have a good time. (laughs) And, like I said, I kind of miss that dynamic. Like, I miss Cass. It's nice to be rescued, I think, by your friend. And in the the show, he's just, like, at the end of his rope was pretty much everything, it seems like. Like, Cass is, if he could die, seems like he's kind of ready to die. But at the same time, he, he could. He has the opportunity to just run outside and die Burn, but yeah. he doesn't so it's it's unclear i'm not against it and it might work it's just not like the book anymore so that kind of makes me a little sad but joe gilgan is so good that i, I want to see it through yeah obviously. see see where he takes it but and they the creative team takes it yeah i i guess like the the points that you bring up i think make a lot of sense i didn't i i obviously didn't glean them off of the show like the show didn't really connect those dots for me and maybe i don't know maybe maybe like i i got that cassidy was upset like he he didn't feel the need to be rescued so to speak but like um well i think he his instinct was that he wanted to be rescued well yeah and that's like he even says what took you so long yeah Yeah. kind of thing which is very funny and like it's like a very like oh star wars han and luke kind of dynamic yeah but and he tells he tells Featherstone that he knows they're coming, and you know right. he's right. But. He's playing the part, and then I think he realizes that he doesn't want to play that part. He wants to do it himself, kind of like he was doing before he even met them, like on the plane in the first episode of the series, like when he's he handles the Grail on his own. Yeah. Even though he jumps out of the plane and gets squished or squishes himself. Yeah. He's doing it himself, and now he's kind of become codependent on these guys, and that probably is a little frustrating and foreign to him interesting all right that makes sense um yeah i don't know if there's anything else other than uh tammy getting smashed by the door was really gross <laughs> yeah i know i knew it was gonna happen too because i'm like i i am really glad about the instances of the use of the word 
I'm glad we're using the damn word. Yeah. Like, yeah. Use that shit. Yep. It's sweet. And yes. it's part of the book. Like, Jesse uses it. Sometimes he uses it a little too liberally. And, and other characters well, are like, and yeah, and it's not like necessarily solving all of his problems. In some cases, it's creating more, exactly, which is great. Which is exactly what should be happening. Like people have to take him so literally, and he knows that. And sometimes in the books, he takes he takes advantage of that to a really awful and sadistic way. But sometimes he just forgets that they're going to do it exactly. And by extension, whatever Tulip says is what they're going to... They work for her now, yep. so they're going to do exactly whatever she says. Yep. That Tammy chick was hilarious. <laughs> that performance was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really was enjoying it. And then it when she got squished, good. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Oh, the fight was really good. I liked the fight. Jesse fighting all the guys. Like the, yeah. The once, yeah. Once again, another nice, like, cool choreography yeah, they they they're still doing a good job with with all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's it was great. Yeah. I really like that set is really cool to me too. Mm-hmm. Just like that lecture room or operating theater whatever you want to call it, I think looks looks really cool and so like the lighting that was going on with the fighting was really cool. Yeah, it was an, it was a neat sequence. And the way that Cassidy gets is like lit as mm-hmm. Jesse walks into it. It's all very sweet and very very awesome. So. All right. Act four, as Jesse and Cass bicker and navigate through the labyrinthine Masada tunnels, Tulip climbs out of the side of Masada, or climbs the side of Masada to get to the switch to open the door. Star survived the fracas, but not without getting his ear blown off. Tulip reaches the top of Masada and fights Featherstone seemingly to the death, but as she lets go of Featherstone, Featherstone gains speed and then opens her wingsuit to glide away. As the door opens, Cassidy and Jess... uh, Stop wailing on each other to get moving, but Cassidy declines the help escaping and decides to stay behind, much to Jesse's chagrin. Frankie is right on Cass's tail as the door closes. And as Jesse walks away, a grail gunner has him dead to rights when Star orders him to stand down. Um, Yeah, the Featherstone wingsuit. So funny. Perfect. Killed me. Yeah. That was, it was that hilarious. Was absolutely. The sound effect was, it helped, <laughs> it helped sell it. It was so funny. Yeah. Well, like as she was falling, I was like, man, she's just really committing to this fall. And then as soon as she opens up her, her wingspan, I was like, that's a hundred percent. There's yeah. That was so funny. Um, it was comical. I forgot to mention, uh, I had a note in here about when, uh, when they're, when, Tulips people are all going through the metal detector. Yeah, and Tammy's talking to like the supervisor. Yeah, yep. And he's ta- telling her to fill out an incident report and all that. Oh my god, that was <laughs> the bureaucracy so, yeah. of the Grail. <laughs> exactly, it was so funny. And he's he's denoted as a supervisor with like his red his red sweater. His yeah, <laughs> it marks him as somebody a little more important. I was yeah. like, oh, I just loved that. That was something that wasn't really in the book, and I thought it was a hilarious addition. Yeah, so yeah. I just wanted to mention that. No, I think it it fits well with what I know of the Grail. Oh, which for I think, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so. Um, Star using the old lady translator as cover as mm-hmm. like a bullet shield was so good. <laughs> Such a nice touch. Uh, it could have totally been a Pip Torrin suggestion too. It feels like when actors are so in tune with their character, he could be like, <laughs> "I could, I could use her." <laughs> well, I guess the, like thinking about the logistics of it all, it's like, did he run over to her to like <laughs> probably? <grab her? laughs> yeah. Come here, grandma. This is this is my meat shield today. Yeah, exactly. Um. Does he lose his ear in the book? You know, I don't remember. Okay. It's really probable that he does. Yeah. Star goes through so much shit in the book. <laughs> deservedly so. But I, you, you lose count of his, his uh, 
physical disfigurations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember how Jesse cuts the scar on the top of his head in the show. Like when it started, I was like, oh, that happened. <clears throat> that uh, That's a bullet graze that happens. Oh, okay. Um, it's a bullet graze. It okay. might have been Tulip, but I, I can't. It, I think it was end of season and jesse tell or Jesse's beginning of, beginning of season three actually it's when they go to storm the swamp okay in the beginning to get jesse and and the word basically i think somebody shoots that star as he's trying to like get in the in suv the, or yep, something that's yeah. right it is i think it is tulip so yeah that's how that happens <sighs> and does jesse tell him that he can't wear hats yes with the that word? yeah okay. because when he comes back when they when they meet in in uh in this episode Jesse tries to get him to take off of his take off his ear protection so that he can tell him he's allowed to wear hats again. Right. That's what I fig- I see I didn't remember that detail and I was like okay, I figured that's what happened but man it is so much I hate to do I hate to say it it is so much better in the book <laughs> because Jesse takes a knife and he does that. He like yeah. cuts his head like that. And you don't know why at first. You're like, what? And then it's later when it starts looking in the mirror that you realize his head looks like a dick yep. and it is so beautifully executed in the book it is like it's art <laughs> it's <laughs> so fantastic because you don't get it at first either and you get it at the exact same time star does and it is so <laughs> phenomenal it's more purposeful it's yeah. so good yeah it's so it's so well they did play with it a bit in the editing here in the show though because they go from <laughs> oh, there's yeah, a good cut yeah there's a yeah. good cut from the circumcision of cassidy to the top, the top down of star's, of star's head which is yes. is it's good like it's fun it's funny it's something that's like it is funny it's just such a perfectly executed joke in the book where jesse does it knowing what he's doing but doesn't say it and then you (laughs) you get to discover it later (laughs) with with star and you're just like uh it's it's gold that's pretty good anyway whatever it's yeah his head still looks like a dick we got that um trying to think of what else was there anything too crazy in this they fought and the door opens <clears throat> yeah cassidy chooses not to go we talked about that a little bit he wants to be his own hero or something uh, yeah. like i wonder how much of it um like part of me wonders if he understands that tulip was there with with jesse and like trying to help rescue him like would that have changed anything if he knew I don't know because yeah later Tulip asks did he know yeah she has the like did you tell him yeah I don't know because I mean he doesn't want to see them together and they're true. they're back and better than ever kind of yeah thing so yeah I don't really know I don't I don't get I don't get Cassidy at this point yeah like, I don't know I don't know what's going on yeah we'll see if they course correct or something or something makes sense and Cass does seem a little sad like when the door shuts and he kind of leans his head up against it like that he seems like he's bummed out that like he feels that he has to do this yeah and Jesse is a little less so Jesse stands there he definitely takes the beat to kind of be like and then he just saunters off yeah he's like well what the hell really you know like we went through the effort and you're just gonna squander it kind of thing but yeah no I didn't feel like I there was a, this is a really weird thing to pick, but I didn't get a lot of vampire super strength on display in this episode. I I would have liked to have seen Cass Cass's fighting technique is like get up close and bite someone's neck and throw them on the ground, that kind of thing. And 
in the book, it's uh, it's very clear that he has the s- typical super strength of a vampire. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see him like grabbing people and throwing them through walls and stuff. That'd have been cool. Yeah, but whatever. Small, small gripe. Yeah, I feel like they lean into the fact that he's like a small, wiry dude more than they do vampire strength. That's what makes it so good in the book because he's his physique is not much different. He's definitely a, a heroin body, so to speak, and yeah. he still will, you know, do some damage. It's fun. I I would like I liked him and Jesse fighting alongside each other. There's there's more than one moment in the books where they get into like a bar fight together and it's really entertaining. Yeah. Because Jesse also is possessed of like weird strength for a mortal man. <laughs> for a preacher. Yes. Yeah. Uh all right. I think you can go on to Act Five. Um Oh, one other thing that I wanted to touch on. So we left. I left last season kind of wondering would Jesse really feel the need to go and rescue Cass in the first place, yep. which you noted was like a big issue with the show, like the fact that I'm questioning that in the first place. <clears throat> Clearly they're trying to do something different with that relationship dynamic, but it, it does, and I, and I think we did eventually kind of land on like the Jesse would feel bad that the grail is taken. Cassidy, maybe, like at, at the very least that somebody's being held against their will by the grail yeah. because of him, he he would feel that motivation. And it seems like that's at least, like Cassidy even kind of caught, like he has a line where he says something about, thank you for letting me get caught up in your pissing contest with the deranged crypto-fascist cult leader. Which, yeah. <laughs> like at least that's how Cassidy feels about it. But we still don't really fully get that Cassidy, or that, that Jesse would have come there if, Tulip didn't necessarily care or why they ended up. Yeah, that is a little ambiguous. Yeah. All right, Act 5, which is the final act of Episode 1. Tulip blames Jesse for Cassidy not making it out of Masada, while Jesse questions if Tulip slept, slept with him. Tulip lies and says no, and Jesse agrees that they'll go again tomorrow. That night, Jesse has a series of dreams showing him a phallic mountain, a nuclear apocalypse, him choking Tulip, and hearing messages from his father saying it's time to find God. Jesse wakes up and writes a letter to Tulip before hitting the road and hitchhiking onto a blue truck. Tulip wakes up and reads the letter and then opens her closet to reveal her grail uniform and blonde wig. Back at Masada, Cassidy gets locked up once more, and Star has a rendezvous with God, revealing that the two are working together to make Jesse suffer and not just kill him. Um, yeah, so it was John... The, the actor who plays John Custer was on the phone. Yep. <laughs> so you wanted more John Custer, and you got yeah. two lines of him. afraid so. <laughs> it wasn't John Bernthal. No, it was on. not John Bernthal, unfortunately. Um. How how do you how do you feel about the <clears throat> does this dream mechanic make any sense in terms of the book or does it just feel like that this is the thing we need to happen to get us on the road to ending this show? He does have some visions in the book, but generally they're fueled by like mescaline or something. Like he again during like one of my favorite arcs in the book, he specifically goes to like an Indian reservation to buy like some peyote or something and he's like I gotta go trip balls out here and (laughs) and see what I need to do next is kind of his okay (laughs) it's his plan and it works (laughs) (laughs) sort of uh so yeah I I was fine with it I guess I I parts of it made made sense I was like okay that's good and some of it I was like I don't understand what that was supposed to mean so Yeah. yeah I don't know 
Whatever. Yeah. It was fine. The him choking tulip thing was really weird to me as it was happening, and eventually I realized it's like, oh, it's another dream. But um, uh, there's even a weird moment where he uses the word, and I don't understand if he's trying to use it on himself or he. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, and he he's like trying to tell himself no, and like, does that end up being the thing that makes her stop breathing, or like, you know, obviously th- it was meant to be kind of weird and trippy and strange, but I think he thinks that he is going to end up killing Tulip inadvertently. If she if he continues to bring her along for his journey, she's going to die. Yeah. And in the books, he does that a few times. I think he ends up ditching her, and she always catches up with him. Or he... There's one point where he... I think it's actually the Masada arc where he he promises her she can come with him when he ends up leaving her at a hotel, and he leaves a note, and he's like, I'll meet you in... 10 days at the top of the Empire State Building. Yep. And then I'll explain everything. And so he ditches her then. There are There is at least, I think, one instance where he like tries to ditch her permanently. And uh, this, I don't know where this one falls in the, in the, <laughs> in the leaving your girlfriend in, in the behind yeah. Uh, category. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does the, is the phallic mountain any is there any significance of that in the books or is it just another dick joke at the well it is that but it's also <laughs> i think it's a substitute for something else okay all right we can come back to that yeah later on um the fact that god considers dr diet dr pepper his greatest create one of his greatest creations made me laugh probably the hardest out of anything in this it's really funny yeah. it's just perfect was it diet on top of that it was yeah it, it was certainly diet and and the thing like the thing is, is that you hear like i don't know how much diet pop you've drank i've drank my fair share of it but i can definitely differentiate most diets from regulars diet dr pepper is one of the ones that gets closest to its original flavor okay in terms of like so so I, that's probably where the joke is is sure. like the everybody thinks diet dr pepper is the closest to the normal dr pepper or the normal pop but um the fact that god's like ah yes <laughs> one of my finest creations and and the the like whiskey ice cube that yeah that he yeah, he drops in there fantastic enjoying a nice diet dr pepper rocks yes <laughs> yeah we growing up we had diet mountain dew mm. around the house ex- like almost exclusively <laughs> and diet coke but mostly diet mountain dew i didn't have regular mountain dew like that often because mm. that's just what we had around was diet yeah and so the taste between the two, I think, is so apparent. It's yep. like night and day for Diet Mountain Dew and regular and Diet Pepsi and regular and Diet Coke and regular. Those three. Yeah. Pepsi is closer, but I think it's because Pepsi is such a weird taste anyway. I actually prefer Pepsi to Coke, but too. I acknowledge that it is way more like chemically tasting than Coke. I don't know. It's different. There's way more sugar to it. Yeah. That's The way I see it is like the Coke has the burn to it. There's like more carbonic acid or something. Okay. But but Pepsi's just like full on sugar, like that's great, and I that's why I prefer pe- I prefer cherry Pepsi on top of oh, that because I want even you. more sugar. You want fifty grams of yes. sugar in a bottle? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I drink pop so rarely these days that when I do have some, it's like overwhelming because <laughs> I usually go for like Mountain Dew, or I'm sorry, not Mountain Dew. Oh yeah, if I'm at Taco Bell, I'm getting Mountain Dew. Well yeah, but like uh, like root beer. If I'm at, like once in a while, if mm. I'm like in a restaurant and uh, they like have root beer, I'm like, you know what, that sounds pretty good. But with almost every meal now, it's just water. Yeah. And then if I go out, you know, to like a dinner on like Friday or something, I'll, I'll get a pint of beer or something with, you know, a meal or after a meal. But 
yeah just pop is not i've actually like kind of no, don't like it as much anymore because mm. it's so intense and i just look i just think of the calories and the sugar and i'm like i don't need it i can eat a, <laughs> i can eat two cookies instead and get way more satisfaction i it is my like i sugary drinks are definitely like your well sugary drinks in general but also pop like i go through these stretches of like giving up pop and i do great forever but i keep thinking about like man there's gonna be one day where i'm gonna let myself have a mellow yellow and then i have a mellow yellow and it's (laughs) It's gone and those months are completely yeah i'm i'm right back under the hook of it so it's probably good i haven't tried like cocaine or anything like that but oh i'm the same way yeah that's why i have to be really really (laughs) regimented with uh I like I told uh my wife I was like don't buy any more M&Ms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because if it's there I'm going to eat them. Yep. And my capacity for chocolate mm-hmm. has no limit. Yep. I've never met the upper limit. I've never <laughs> actually gotten sick from eating candy. Yeah. And that is scary because <laughs> the amount of sugar I can eat is ridiculous. Yes. But like yeah, those those hazelnut M&Ms they have now I haven't tried those ones yet. I love Nutella so much. Mm. And I told her, I'm like, do not buy a jar of Nutella because it'll be like that episode of Friends where they bring (laughs) all the food to Joey and he just eats it all. Yeah. Yep. Like that's, that's what will happen. (laughs) And it it will be, I'm not young enough anymore to be able to do that. I don't think my heart can take it. Yeah. Yeah. For those listening, (laughs) pop is soda (laughs) (laughs) or cola if you don't live in the mid this is the midwest podcast yes. network so and it's you know, pop yes up here we yes. don't even think about it's it. fighting words if you say soda i'm like i have a hard time not reacting to anybody who says soda because i'm just kind of like no but. when people who are from michigan say soda i say what are you doing <laughs> you know better. are you a self-hating <laughs> michigander like are you I, ashamed of your heritage i do think it's a midwest thing but i think it's even more highly concentrated in michigan yeah because Michigan is just so weird anyway. Yep. It's so unique. Yeah. I just had to explain to somebody that Ope is like a Michigan <laughs> thing. And they were like, it is? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, think about it. Um, you know, every every day, yep. <laughs> everybody in Michigan says it at least one time. Yep. For, for anybody who doesn't know, there's a noise that you make when you are moving out of the way because you've realized you're inconveniencing, <laughs> inconveniencing someone with your presence there. And it is the word Ope. Ope. <laughs> that's it. that's that's what it is commonly spelled o-p-e i think is what i've seen there's all these memes coming out now yeah amongst like michiganders about ope and yep. it's so funny i love it that it's like people are finally starting to recognize how weird it is that we do that well no not only that like i don't know if there's any other place in the united states or in the world that has articles written like you will see like listicles of things that people in Michigan or in the Midwest only do like adding S to the end of a store name and like, yeah. you know, it's cause we're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't actually pay attention to the I world gave, around us. I gave my wife the hardest time because she's usually really, really good about it, but she added S onto something and she removed it from somewhere else. And I was like, <laughs> no, that's the opposite. That's the law of yeah. conservation of S's. <laughs> yeah, you, gotta, you have to you take gotta, one away from something you else. You got to borrow it from Menards and put it onto Myers. J- Jimmy, Jimmy John. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is some deep cut humor yep. here. For there's no one in Michigan that listens to our show. Uh, no, I, well, David Steele's the only <laughs> okay. one who will take some. Dave, these are all for the, you, buddy. Yep, yep, just for <laughs> he you. He knows. He's laughing right now. Yeah, that's yep. it. <laughs> oh, oh, just me. Oh, he can he can write in to add credibility to our stories. So we don't just sound crazy. Oh uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a phenomenon. They all are. It's uh, I'm sure everybody has weird things about where they're from. 
like you pulled just laid on a gnarly Dutch deep deep cut <laughs> yeah. linguistic thing and yeah his jokes are are because his country's so nice though <laughs> like when I hit him in Discord about Spider Man uh, Homecoming or no uh, Far From Home and I like really wanted to hear his review on like the Netherlands sequence and he was like. Yeah, that's the way it is here. Everybody's <laughs> super nice, and that guy is a famous Dutch actor. And I was like, "What the shit?" <laughs> and he was like, "I've never been to that that one place, but it, it's supposed to be like that." And like, uh, I was just like, was I, I gotta go. I gotta go good. there. Yep. Gotta see it. Yep. Anyway, this has been you're listening to Gone to Texas. <laughs> uh, that was episode one. I don't know. I agree with you. I was like, up until Cassidy backs out of leaving, I was like, "Oh man, we're really hitting the gas." Yeah, I was into it. And then as soon as he backed out of the doorway, I was like, oh, no. What are we doing? No. <laughs> yeah, so it was literally like I want to make the if I was better at after. Actually, I'm pretty good at After Effects, but I want to put like the Preacher Show logo on Cass's face backing away. And then on Jesse's put like the audience, <laughs> the door shutting and be like, no. That's no com- the comic book readers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Are yeah. Just, yeah. Well, you too. <laughs> well, you're also feeling the effects. Well, but I'm like a comic book reader by proxy. By proxy I have yeah, I have true. feelings brought off of your feelings. I'm so. sorry. I'm I'm taint. I'm I'm diluting the. It's. I still. I think effect. we both acknowledge that this the show can still go in ways that we aren't expecting and can still be good. Right. It's. It's just leading away from what we were expecting and thinking would happen and we're hoping could happen. But the thing is, they're really they were really playing with my emotions because. When they were going to blitz through it, I was kind of like, no, like there's a lot of cool stuff that happens at Masada. But at the same time, there's cooler stuff that happens down the line. So I got excited. I was like, nah, yeah, I guess we can get through it. Yeah. But we got one big thing hanging over Masada here that we didn't even talk about. That's in the first episode. What would that be? The, the angel. Oh. The archangel. In- y- yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? And that thing to me, here's what, here's what I'll tell you is that like to me, it just seemed like a like color for what masada is like just kind of this like hey there's an they they have an angel in captivity period i don't even necessarily like there's been such non-interaction with him yeah like like you know he he thinks that he's he's he seems like a very kind person and that he's like he thinks of Cassidy as a friend even though Cassidy hasn't thought about him at all. <clears throat> and and so that's why to me I just kind of glossed over it, which is in- I I it, I guess it says something if you listen to my recaps and there's things that I'm not touching on that should be big. You know, it never even considered I never considered the the possibility that that's all it was, it was just backdrop for what Masada is that they have an angel captive. That dude is important. Wow. Okay. And uh, his involve his the reveal of that archangel in the book is nuts that he's there because you you do get a tease that there's somebody imprisoned, mm-hmm. but you don't know what it is and or who it is, and you you see based on other people's reactions that it's a big deal, but you're like, oh God, what? Like I remember vividly the first time I read through it, being like, who is in there? Yeah. What is in there? And then when it's revealed that it's this art, you're like, holy shit. Like it's a it's a it's an archangel. Like it's not like uh um Fior and DeBlanc and like the other angels that kind of show up earlier in the book. Like it's a it's a badass one. It's okay. like one of the warrior ones. This one doesn't seem to have the same physique as the <laughs> <laughs> He seems a little doughier, so we'll see what if anything they have planned for him. If that's all it is, 
oh man i'll be bummed out i mean who knows so the actor that they have playing him his name is david field he's a dude from the rover he right? was in the rover yeah, yeah it's the one one did I tell you i watched that you did you told me we didn't really talk about yeah, it yeah you, you want to now no <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> i was gonna say the other like as i was looking at imdb i looked down and there's the the person the kid who starts the singing in the uh yeah in the tavern his he's credited uh, credited as cherubic grail member <laughs> so that's pretty good but so this season obviously was filmed almost entirely in australia because there's all these australian actors and later australia is coming into play and that's interesting my my and my assumption is anything that they did outside for masada is even like somewhere oh in it's the totally yeah, yeah, yeah it's not yeah makes so. sense yeah i wonder if they have good tax breaks over there in australia probably but all right, let's move on to episode two, titled "Last Supper." Okay, let's talk about the teaser here. Open on God admiring his creation during the Cretaceous era when a, era when a claymation brontosaurus walks up and poops. God is disgusted, but he exclaims as he notices a double rainbow. <laughs> he turns back to the brontosaurus who sniffs and then decides to eat its own poop. Uh, as the brontosaurus burps in god's face this enrages god enough to begin the extinction event that ended the dinosaurs <laughs> uh i loved this opening i did too. it was great yep um there were so many moments throughout it that i laughed out loud yeah mark Hart. i actually wrote down on my notes the uh <laughs> the exact no i said no <laughs> the delivery of that made me laugh my ass off yes. i was like oh, yeah like like Harlick. your your dog is like looking at you with that face of like i'm gonna do this yeah, thing that i'm gonna you do have that stared on with your dog and you're like don't do it yep. and then they lean in don't do it <laughs> i just love the idea that a dinosaur eating its own shit is what made him decide to kill them all yep <laughs> if that doesn't set up the the premise of a petty and vengeful god I don't yes know what does absolutely Some stupid big animal eating its own shit my question I was left with that sequence is are we as a as a human race at the point where we're eating our own shit and God is sick of us? <laughs> Have we reached that phase? Cuz uh, I'm I'm probably going to vote yeah. <laughs> right now um, yeah yeah, I think so. I think we're there. You know, uh, I, I don't know, maybe maybe that just says a lot on my outlook of of right now, but certainly in the preacher universe it oh, seems yeah. like we had gotten there. That's you know, that's kind right. of the message of that first season. Yeah, that's basically where we're at. Yeah, but I actually um, said to my wife the other day when the news was on, and I don't even need to say specifically what story because <laughs> pick a day of the week here <laughs> pick in any of the stories here in America. Hear. And I was like, this is the darkest timeline, and yep. I've never made that joke before because I got kind of sick of it after that happened in Community. Yeah, but I was like, it's true. It, yeah, and it keeps getting worse. Is the thing. every day, and so it's like this tailspin that. Who knows if we'll ever pull out of so it. So are we the brontosaurus right now? Just like staring at our bike pile of shit? Just the, ro- the royal we is the brontosaurus that is currently eating its poop. Yes. Yeah. I think that's that's, God's going, that's no. the case. I said no. Um, The coffee mug made me laugh really hard. Just like the it's like a white ceramic nondescript coffee mug that he's holding as he's looking yeah, yeah, out yeah. across just, the land. Yeah, he's enjoying coffee. And yeah. it shows up again later on the table at the end when he's... Yeah. Uh, so apparently he likes in whatever his, in his Krampus workshop yes um but I really liked the like the the 
I don't know what you want to call it, the filmic imperfections that, that they put over that. Yeah, it was basically like the old uh, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer kind of yeah. thing with like the big bottom of snowman and yep. all that. Yeah, well, and not only that, but it also calls back to like the, the premiere of the series, which is that animation of genesis coming to earth oh, yeah. was, was also that. they put the same like uh effect over it as well yeah, so I it was kind of interesting to to call back to that as well but yeah no i enjoyed it i thought it was great the double rainbow thing made me laugh that was funny extremely yeah. hard harlick is so good yep he is hysterical yep um all right act one on his hitchhiking journey jesse shares with the truck driver that he's headed to the airport to track down the phallic mountain he saw in his dream as they drive past a young child crying over a dog on the side of the road jesse uses the word to stop the truck as he gets out he notices the name jesus Desad in gold on the side of the truck and he walks up to the child the child ends up being a thief as the driver hypothesized Jesse uses the word to disarm the child, but the gun ends up shooting the dog as it hits the ground. Jesse feels bad and gives the kid his wallet and boots. He then finds a new hitchhiking opportunity with a man on a camel. Uh, and then also in this sequence, at Masada, Star tells Featherstone that killing Jesse is no longer the plan, and he requests Frankie's help with something. Frankie and Cassidy share a brief moment before the next torture class starts, and the circumcising duties are given to the students. Tulip fires an RPG at the front door, but it doesn't even leave a dent, so she so she drives off as Featherstone watches. All right. There was a line I just have to call attention to. Yes. When Star is walking through Masada with Featherstone. Did you watch this with captions on? Uh, The second time through, I did. Okay. Did you <laughs> get that sequence over the PA system? When they said, I, I'm missing, I know a couple words here, but they basically said something along the lines of, the car wash will be open during normal business hours during the festival of the homogenous bloodline. <laughs> I did not hear that, but Dude. that's fan. I, I yeah, you know what? I remember hearing a voice and being like, "I should try to hear what that is," but I didn't end up going back to like actually. Oh my god, I was laughing so hard. It was that's fantastic. Jokes. A that there's a car wash at Masada. Yes. B that it will be open during normal business hours, <laughs> and C during the festival of the homogenous <laughs> bloodline. <laughs> Very good. Everything about that, I was like, this is a perfect sentence in the yes. show yes and i love it um <clears throat> the dog the little boy with the the ploy of the dog was very funny that was uh yeah but uh, like part of me also is wondering like between this and what happens with the camel riders later i feel like god has like turned jesse's luck stat down to zero to kind of like or negative 10, I guess, to kind of, like, spurn him away from or towards something in particular is what I'm reading of the situation. And it, it feels like this is one of those moments that's kind of, like, designed to make Jesse be like, why the hell am I out here trying to do any of this? Yeah. That could be. I didn't uh, I didn't get that out of it, but that very well could be. I just thought it was entertaining the way yeah. it, the way it played out. Yeah, and then again with the camel, the camel one was even better. I yeah, that was that was so funny. Yeah, um, I just thought the diet, the repetition of the from the little boy of the line, like the exact same delivery, <laughs> was so funny. Was yeah, like, just the night. That's just a good. Joke. At first it was the ploy, and then it was actually it's true. genuine. But yeah. he said it with the exact same inflection. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the, I guess we'll talk more about Jesus decide later on um later on in this episode um 
Yeah, the moment between Frankie and Cassidy was something that I liked a lot. Frankie kind of like trying to call him as it is of like, oh, you're one of these repeat offender guys that yeah. doesn't learn his lesson. Uh, and and I th- and he kind of arrives at the like because you don't believe you should kind of or like like you don't think you deserve to have better or yeah. something like that. Which honestly, I think if that moment happened before he backed away from Jesse at like the the front door, mm. I think that would have made more sense to me. Yeah, would have legitimized his decision a little more. Yes, yeah. and I'm realizing that right now. As I like as, that. Yeah, like I, I think I think then you would kind of be like, no, I don't need to be the sidekick. Like that that rings truer for me after this conversation. So yeah, because maybe. Cassidy had already figured that out for himself and now Frankie's just putting Reiterating putting it, words yeah. to it yeah for our benefit. I yeah, d- it was an interesting sequence. I do have mm-hmm. in my notes all caps five burrows. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, it was it was right here. It was very good. Oh, and a nice little gaudy <laughs> flashback. <laughs> the that movie did bring some joy into my life, that's for sure. Um <laughs> and plenty of confusion. Yes. Tulip with the RPG was also great. Yeah. The fact that it does nothing to the door. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. We, didn't right. even, we didn't even talk about it in episode one. Tammy's still alive body talking to her in yeah. the door. Yeah. No. Horrifying. Yes. 100% <laughs> horrifying. No, it was good. And even just when, when Jesse and Cass try to pry the door open and there's that, all that blood and everything on the inside, you're like, God. And the door opens and all the bits fall to the yeah. ground and her head rolls it, away. It reminds me of like those pictures you see online of people who are like, oh, I shouldn't have bought this RoboVac because it smeared the dog's poop all over yeah. the floor. It's like, oh, man, just gross. Un- <laughs> it, 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 it reminded me of something I would never be able to clean properly yeah. again, basically. <laughs> <sighs> Fortunately, Masada has the very best yes. cleaning Holy water. Yes, the holiest water. <laughs> with, pine, o- with OxyClean. Pine salt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. They Ac- totally have one of those big floor scrubbers that goes through like your high school hallway. 100%. Oh, definitely. And it's, but it's probably like gold-plated. <laughs> yeah. It's ornate. <laughs> Beautiful. Or not. The It would be really funny if they just had that like the one that's always like, like aqua kind of color, that yeah. blue and greenish. Yep. It's just a regular guy. Yep. Or it's like straight out of the 70s, like really boxy. Yeah. And like, yeah, 100%. Uh, act two. Cassidy gnaws his foot off to get out of his shackle, shackle and ambush the guards who come to check his empty cell. He escapes to the urban blight room where he ambushes a doctor. Featherstone shows up at the Holy Bar and Grail Motel to ask about Tulip, but the owner, Kamal, says he hasn't seen her. He takes tea back to Tulip in the garage to let her know that the grail is really coming after her. Jesse and his camel riding buddy notice another camel rider named Ahmed. Ahmed and Jesse's buddy go start go to start fighting with each other, and Jesse tries to stop them with the word, but it fails because Ahmed does not speak English. By crazy random happenstance, Ahmed, Jesse's buddy, and both of their camels end up dead, leaving Jesse stranded in the middle of the desert as he contemplates whether or not he made the right choice leaving Tulip. The the camel thing, like I like basically everybody dying at that instance to me is what makes me feel like uh, this there's no way that it would have happened this way nine times out of ten. And it had there had to be some divine intervention that went into it. The way they 
the way they portrayed it on screen with the blood just gushing out of the camel to hit the dude in the face and then causing him to shoot his camel it feels too convenient but it, it, it like it could also just be a joke i guess i think i thing. well why not both i uh true i think i agree with you now after even just the way you recapped it saying leading him to question if leaving tulip was the right idea yeah because he's driving towards god yep and god is trying to drive him back in the other direction so yeah i, I i'm a, i'm down with that analysis now he like and yeah Je- like jesse's line at the end there is if i walked out on the only good thing in my life for this bullshit i'm gonna be so so and then he realizes the guy's dead and, and shuts his eyes but <clears throat> like i guess the thing is the thing that we didn't necessarily touch on do you feel like the dreams that he had were of his own volition yeah i think it was his subconscious talking to him okay basically and maybe something else but i'd God does not want to be found. That's the thing. That 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 is still God's number one thing. It, it, his mo is that he doesn't want to be found. He doesn't want to be bothered, and that's why it's a little weird that he's chilling with Star. Yeah. Because in the book, he just kind of wants to be left alone and do his own thing. Yeah. Ride the motorcycle around with the chick in the dog suit. Like yep. that. That was kind of more in line with the book's idea of God. And he always uses other people to try to, like, tell Jesse to stay away. He uses Tulip at one point. He uses Cassidy at one point and talks to them. But he doesn't want to talk to Jesse face to face. And I guess part of me, like, putting the puzzle pieces together wonders if, like, the reason why I wonder if the dream was really, like, his dream that he had of his own brain was kind of, like, is God trying to push him to this significant place? What he believe, what Jesse believes is is a significant place, to only like have it really like crash down on him that it was ultimately worthless, and like push him off of the trail for good. All the all the while, like giving him these moments of questioning: Should I even be going? Like it's like these thing these setbacks that keep making it harder for him to reach that end goal make me wonder if the end goal is like a big farce to kind of put the nail in the coffin so to speak yeah drive the screw even deeper like he just is torturing him yeah um so yeah perhaps i mean the i think that the the show has a little bit different ultimately for god than maybe the book did well and ultimately you you said that you think the phallic mountain might be a a stand-in for something else so i guess we might have to see how that plays out too so I do. And I think the thing that the book does well is that God is not, God is definitely uh, not the best, but he doesn't have anything out for Jesse in particular. He doesn't hate Jesse. He just doesn't want him to find him. He doesn't want to be bothered. Yeah. And in the show, I don't know why he's so pissed at Jesse. I think it's less about that. I think the, the making him suffer thing, I think, is him trying to employ star that's the thing yeah i don't know that that yeah. whole we'll have to see what develops how that brain trusts really what it really amounts to yeah because in the i feel like the why didn't we see more like okay so in the show i guess the grail has like a direct line to heaven yeah and hell presumably yeah. so i guess that their interaction with heavenly bodies is different than in the book but like 
dude, that's God. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you're sitting next to God. Have a reaction. You know what I mean? Like that, that was all a little too normal. And it also, it pushes the grail into a weirder territory of like total. The Humperdoo thing always seemed like a, like a way to grab power more than anything else. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it's kind of like, is God in support of that? Like, was it, something he wanted to happen or like like i would i don't even know i mean star in the book is not a believer like he doesn't give a shit about humperdue he doesn't care about any of that he just wants to rule the world yeah and he might not even believe in god like that's the thing that's where the show i can't find any footing on this issue because i just don't understand where star's belief lies like he comes across as a guy who might not even be religious you know what i mean he, yeah he passes his grail exam obviously with flying colors but i don't know that that whole dynamic is strange and the way it's presented with god just sitting next to him and then be like oh, hey, <laughs> handing him a diet dr pepper yeah weird like i would rather have seen that be like another angel or something like that instead of god because when you bring god into it it makes it way more like well if god has their back it's like they should be infallible at that point because he's still God. Yeah. Like as goofy as he might be and as like powerful as Jesse might be, that's still God. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and God can do whatever the hell he wants basically. And so it's weird if he if he really that's why I'm 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 not really convinced that he's actually trying to help Star because if he wanted to Star would win. You know what I mean? Like that would happen. Do, do you think there's a world where God needs Jesse alive? Yeah. <clears throat> well, so in the book, minor spoiler, but we're beyond all this stuff in the show now. God is helping uh, Grandma in the book. Okay. So God is present at Angelville in a, in a manner of speaking. He's not actually there per se, but like... It is known and understood to the Longels and to Grandma and and Jody and TC and company that God is working with them, and they 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 believe it, but they know it. They don't just believe it; they know it. Like they've communicated. So that's that might be what's happening here. That they're they're pulling that out of that arc and they're plugging it into here. I won't tell you to what end he's helping them or how it's all resolved but you can cut this out if you want Um, Uh, well i yeah i don't i don't we had kind of spoken in the past about the fact that the word doesn't work on grandma tc and jody because of like their blessing or or whatever it would be but that's why so but but i like i guess my my question in particular of like the reasoning that i'm linking up in my mind is that maybe god is keeping the grail under his thumb to make sure jesse doesn't die could be but yeah i mean uh i hate to say it but he works in mysterious ways (laughs) like the uh i guess we'll have to see how it plays out yeah because he might just be playing the grail close to his chest because he knows that (laughs) they can do a lot of damage do a lot more harm than yeah yeah so we'll see i guess We'll, we'll table that it's just, it's weird. It's so murky, but maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, obviously, who are we to, to question the motivation of God, even if fictional, played <laughs> by Mark Harlick? Yeah. yeah. We can't pretend to know what he's up to. 
The only other bolded note that I had for this sequence was uh, Cassidy going into the Urban Blight room and he corners that doctor and before the scene cuts he gets this really good like eyebrow twitch that goes on. I was like, that's fantastic. Beautiful eyebrow acting by... Good old Joe. By by Joe Gilgan. But, yep. All right. Act three. A meeting of the Grail Council convenes to congratulate their new all-father... Hair star and check in after the terrorist attack on Masada. The deputy prime minister of New Zealand asks whether Humperdoo is safe and when he'll be shown to the world, but we see that the Grail is still hunting down clones to find the real one. This insubordination leads Star to kill the New Zealand deputy prime minister, and the rest of the council stays quiet. Tulip and Kamal start planning their attempt to get into Masada, while Kamal strongly urges Tulip to stop and let the problem solve itself. Tulip is determined to get into Masada. Cassidy uses his newly acquired doctor uniform to try and leave Masada, but he once again decides not to leave just yet and heads back up to the eleva- back up the elevator for something. Uh, the meeting of the Grail people, <clears throat> the Grail Council. Yeah, pretty good. It was entertaining. Um, reminded me of of last season when you talked about the fact that the All Father talks about how he receives a call from world leaders at the end of the day to say thank you mm-hmm. um but still not quite i mean we get a display of insubordination from new zealand of course but <laughs> um whoops there you go make sure this is fine all right give yourself a note <laughs> cut that up <laughs> sorry about that that's okay um <coughs> there we go. But that uh that that uh what what do I want to call it? That little side note of the Humperdoo, the the tank trailing the Humperdoo yeah. in the field and then throwing out a cane and playing soft shoe for him. It, like it, I thought that was also great. That was super funny. And I was like, where is this going? Like, it's not him. And they just shoot him and throw him in a <laughs> throw him on a pile of yeah. other Humperdoos. Yeah. yeah. Of, is Humperdoo plural? I, I, other, other Humperdoo? I made Humperdoo plural last season so that I, I'm sticking with it. Okay. It, just sound, it sounds cleaner to me it, for some reason. That's but, fair. Yeah. Um, it's one of those Michigan things. If it is an S, you just got to pull it <laughs> Yeah, off. I got to use that else, else, elsewhere, so yeah. I'm not going to waste it on Humperdoo. Um, Masadas. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Masadas. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of the the guy getting in the crate with the the, the hand grenade? That was, was I was like, uh, does he just accept it? And he's like, oh, whatever. I'll release the pin. And like, just yeah, oh, yeah. I think there's a little bit of a disbelief there. Like, yeah. the, I, 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 or it's him just being like, well, there really is no way of me getting out of this, so I'm just gonna end know, it now. Yeah, before I starve or fall asleep or whatever. yes not without reminding somebody to, to delete clear, his browser yeah, delete his browser history yeah but um yeah that was funny i guess i don't know i was like this this is the beginning of the rest of the episode for me where i just kind of gradually lost interest yeah it didn't work as well for me i did there was one moment with cassidy in the urban blight room Staring when when the camera was staring down at him from up above with all the shelves of drugs on it, I was like, "This looks 
this I feel like this is a comic book panel yes. like that. Yeah, that, that was a cool shot. Yeah, that was just kind of like the even him just saying drugs with like the elated look on his face. I was like, yeah, that's I can see this. Inked. Th- that's the old cast without all the character development that I like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was good to see. Yep. Uh, and then yeah, the tulip and Kamal stuff for me, I was just kind of like, eh, who cares? Yeah. yeah. Also, why? <laughs> yeah, like we knew we we knew Tulip was gonna get in there somehow, but I guess more on that with this next next act. Uh, act four: Cassidy visited the Urban Blight deposit to pick up some cocaine and ends up riding the elevator back down to the lobby with Frankie Toscani. After a tussle in the elevator, Cassidy exits into the lobby with his stethoscope, but he falls over, revealing that he's been shot several times by Frankie. Jesse makes it to the airport and befriends a pilot who tells him his drawing of the phallic mountain is the lost apostle in Australia. Jesse goes to reach for his father's lighter when he realizes it's on the dash of the truck he hitchhiked in earlier. Kamal calls Featherstone to alert her to Tulip's presence at the motel, and Tulip uses the opportunity to lead Featherstone and her squad on a merry chase down into a quarry. Tulip intentionally dusts up the quarry and does some demolition derby to eliminate the Grail members one by one, leaving just her and Featherstone standing. Tulip outmaneuvers Featherstone and makes it back up out of the quarry. Meanwhile, Featherstone gets stuck on the way up the ramp in her Grail mobile. <laughs> um, I guess we didn't necessarily talk about like Cassidy once again turning back. Do you feel like it was the drugs pulling him back, or was it something else? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I don't quite know what to think of that yet. Uh, I looked up the lost apostle, but I couldn't find anything of that nature. Okay. So I don't know that there's a, it's a fictional. It might be yeah. penis mountain that's in Australia. <laughs> um. And then. So uh, we we complained a lot last season about the fight scene between the tank and the neo-Nazis and the saint and Sydney, the angel of death. Yeah. Uh, the demolition derby scene, I was like, well, at least it's all cloudy and I can't see anything. Yeah. Period. Like, it, it, I, I did turn on the finale of season three once more just to kind of watch it. And it got to that scene again. And I was like this is bad i was like the 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 shadows that drop out of the cloudiness that's on screen during that fight looks horrible Mm -hmm. and it would have been better if it was just dust like this so in a way i kind of appreciate it but also part of me is just kind of like what the fuck is tulip doing in there that's actually like making people making cars flip and fly through the air yeah Yeah. Uh, so it it feels very unnecessary as a ploy to get her in there I think it would have been funnier if she just put on the grail outfit and walked through the front door. Yeah. But. Yeah. If this was in season one, I probably would have liked it more. Yeah. But I don't, I don't need any further reinforcement. The tulip's a badass. Yep. I'm just like, whatever. And then now it's reaching, it's reaching like even more cartoonish levels of like, you know, grail mobiles flipping through the air and stuff. And I'm just like, how is she doing that? Yeah. I was wondering the same question. Like, what is she doing? I know she's a, it's weird to, to find a moment where my disbelief can no longer be suspended in this show of all shows. But this was kind of one where I was like, how does that work? Yeah. I just didn't, I I didn't get it. I didn't understand the point of it. And I, the, the perfect metaphor for the whole thing is her car 
just going halfway up the hill and then just coasting <laughs> back down. Like I, like I said at the beginning of the of this episode or last episode, like that that that's how I feel about the season. That's I said at the beginning of the first episode. Like yep. just we started going somewhere, making some progress, and it feels like we just rolled back down there. Yeah. So yep. I didn't like I didn't like it very much. I also didn't really like her fight with Featherstone uh, up at top of Masada. Uh, yeah. I liked the kind of weird. It felt to me like a a nod to the Princess Bride when she's climbing up and reaches the top, like where they have their first sword fight. Yep. Uh, the the Man in Black and uh and uh Inigo, which is one of my all time favorite movie sequences. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And uh, but that was where it ended. <laughs> it ended for me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I think uh, I don't remember if it was Ruth or it was uh, Julianne Emery, but I think th- one of them was speaking, did an interview somewhere, and they talked about how they intentionally shot that fight to make it questionable of like who had the upper hand because they wanted them to seem so perfectly matched like the metaphor of them shooting at each other and having the bullets collide in midair was kind of like the they 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 wanted to acknowledge the fact that these these two people are you know two sides of a similar coin or like equally matched in every way shape and form but i I don't necessarily know that like i wasn't as impressed with the choreography as of that fight as i was with you know previous fights on the show so um i one other thing that i did want to comment on that i forgot to comment on was the fact that i love that they air dropped or whatever they did freighted tulip's car over to the other like over to the middle east yeah however they got it over there they were like yeah we're gonna bring the car i thought that was screw it yeah that was funny just just to have tulip's car present in the season um but yeah i don't necessarily know if there's a whole lot else here so we can move on to the final act of episode two frankie sends off cassidy's circumcision scraps with a doctor and tells cassidy that he thinks he knows why cassidy keeps coming back okay so it was later in the episode that they had this conversation it's because cassidy feels guilty and like he deserves it Jesse pulls up to the Desaad house and retrieves his father's lighter, but his pilot friend implores him to help a child shown in the window at the house with a scantily clad, long-haired, blonde man in a royal cape. Jesse reluctantly follows after his pilot friend into the house, and Hairstar receives a new ear courtesy of Cassidy's circumcision scraps as he watches and watches as Jesse enters the Desaad house. Um... So the pilot is the best character on Preacher now, right? <laughs> Mustached pilot was so good. Was, is is pretty pretty damn good. The pilot's code. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, I I uh, Bruce kind of joked about that. I'm pretty damn sure there's yeah there's no pilot's code. Not like that anyway. No, but it, it was it was quite good. I was gonna look and see if the pilot was credited because he looks very. He is. Yeah, I looked him up. He's just some Australian actor. Okay, he looked familiar. Like he looked like a. He to me he very much reminded me of the um of the astronaut who did the space oddity uh music video. Oh yeah yeah. I can't remember what his name is. I can probably figure out pretty quickly. But just the mustache that he had on and yeah, it it, it he does he, have that look. Yeah. Um. 
I don't know what the hell is happening with the Desaad house. Yeah, well, there's more to come. There's more because uh, because sure. the like the way like obviously like I it, like I've heard that name in the course of this podcast. Like you know that it's going to be something important, but the fact that like we present. I, I guess here's the things that I notice and what I think is weird about some of the editing that happens here is we see Jesse go into, um, I guess I kind of paused before I got through the rest of this, but we see Jesse walking into the house, but then where we end with Jesse, he's on that plane, but he has his boots back. And I kind of noted that it looked like the child in the window was the child that was on the side of the road. Oh, yeah, it might have been. Um, so I'm just kind of confused as to how that comes back into play, but I guess we'll see in the, in the coming episodes. It, it just, it felt really weirdly edited together to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, he looks sufficiently weird and I'm interested to know more basically. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's any, do you have any thoughts about jesus and what he the jesus decides stuff i think is going to be a little bit undercut by if jesse's by himself but we'll see what happens that's all that uh i can really say on that okay i did love when um when they had the montage of australia stuff yeah it's just like a kangaroo <laughs> uh, a foster here didgeridoo yeah a shark <laughs> It was very funny. That was pretty good. Yeah, I've, all the all the clip selections were uh, were really good. What yeah. we th- what, what like Westerners would think of when they think of Australia. Yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't just a close up of Paul Hogan. <laughs> at some point. Or, or was there a Steve Irwin shot? I think there might have been. I can't remember if there was or not, but um, yeah. So I'll continue with the recap with my recap here. Kamal climbs out of Tulip's car and watches the wreckage in the quarry as the two Grail EMTs pull a blonde woman out of a car and take her right into Masada without realizing it's actually Tulip. Uh, after cutting to an open door at the Desaad house, we see Jesse on a plane by himself. He imagines Cassidy chastising him for leaving and Tulip all alone, for leaving him and Tulip all alone when the pilot comes over the air to turn off the smoking sign and let Jesse know it'll be 16 hours until they reach Australia. Finally, we pull out of the plane to see a model plane on a table with several other recognizable landmarks from the entire series as a familiar mug filled with Dr. Diet Dr. Pepper is lifted by none other than God himself, listening to smooth jazz in a hotel room with some type of creature as he stares at the model plane. Um, tulips and Masada. Cool. Cool. We'll see what happens there. And, uh, yeah. I liked the idea of the little figurines on God's table. I thought that was cute, at least, you know, the, we see the coffin and, and the plantation house and, uh, or no, was that the, it was the church, I think from Anvil kind of like seeing the greatest hits of, of the show a little bit. I think that was fun. I don't necessarily know what any of it means. I don't know what the creature in God's hotel room is. Yeah. If the, idea is that jesse has been doing what he's been doing not of his own free will it's going to be a little frustrating yeah but we'll see i have some thoughts on how it might play out yeah yeah there's no telling what that actually means at this point anyway but we'll see so stars foreskin here was stupid yes i didn't like that i was like all right whatever i agree glad we spent time on that yeah i was like that's that feels like a rogan joke that i didn't need (laughs) 
So what uh, I re- was it season two or one where Cassidy is talking about foreskins all the time? Uh, that was the beginning of season two. They're yeah, when they're still on the road getting to yeah, and he's talking about baby foreskins. Yep, yeah, the celebrities using baby foreskins for moisturizer and stuff like that. I wonder what's gonna happen all those Cassidy foreskins if they're. Uh... <laughs> that's I guess that's pretty good. I'll give that joke a little bit more. Yeah, given that. Like, I did make that connection, but I didn't think about Cassidy, like, reckoning with the fact that his foreskin are now he Star's had, ear. Yeah, he has <laughs> been, he's an endless supply of foreskins. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, we just don't have enough time to do all the stuff that is good. Which is <laughs> such a bummer. It's becoming, the more we talk, the more I think about certain other... I feel like your energy has significantly <laughs> dropped. And it's it might be the fact that, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's later in the in the night. But it's, I, uh, I don't th- think it is. I think it's the fact that, like, as, we, as I've been saying these things, you're kind of, like, realizing, like, yeah. why are we doing this yeah. when we could be doing other things? Yeah. This episode just kind of was a bummer. Like I, there were a lot of things that just didn't work great for me, and uh, you know, I, <laughs> I legitimately did not even put together the idea that Jesse has already dealt with Jesus Assad, and now is flying to Australia. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> like, it, and that's what's weird to me. Like I, I know there's, I know there has to be more coming, but the idea that like, I, I guess the pieces that I'm putting together here. We see that flash forward in the beginning of Jesse falling out of a plane in Australia. And right now he's headed to Australia on a plane. But that was months before or after, however you want to look at that. But, like, I don't see Jesse interacting with Jesus Desaad that much unless we're, like, going back to look at what happened in that mansion while he was there. But I don't see why that would be the case. I also recall you and Lance mentioning Cassidy having more to do with Jesus Decide, really. And since we know Jesus Decide is in the Middle East and that's where Cassidy and Tulip still are, like it, it seems like that would be yeah, more, well, more their thing to deal with. But I don't I guess I just don't understand the fracturing of the group again and how that's gonna really play out with what some of the expectations that I know you have with the comic. Yeah, that's the only thing that's kind of, and I thought this during episode one, uh, I completely understand the desire to make Tulip and Cassidy characters that can stand up on their own. But at some point, you gotta, you just have to recognize that Jesse is the protagonist. Yeah. The show's called Preacher. Like, it's, a, <laughs> it's about him. Yeah. Stop dividing them and spending all this extra time dealing with these little subplots that you know most of them have been good but for the most part I'm my patience for them is starting to wear thin or I'm just like man I don't I don't need another tulip car chase sequence like that like I I'm more interested in Jesse getting to God and that's I think that's fair even just coming from a viewer like yeah are you do you feel at all fatigued of like some of this diversion stuff that's going on i did not realize how fatigued i was of the tulip and kamal stuff until reading my own recap of it yeah like it 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 feels so extraneous and just kind of like it's just 
I know where this water. is headed. I know what's going to happen. Tulip's going to get in there, and they're going to try and spring Cassidy out, and it's probably going to work at some point. If if there's another failed attempt at getting Cassidy out of that fucking castle, what the hell are you doing in the last ten episodes of this series? Like, <coughs> I don't... Yeah, I kind of think that's going to be the case. <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, that's that is season two again. We go back to season two of w- watching watching Cassidy try to escape this place several times. That's there's a real danger of that. So part of me almost feels like that can't be the case because we have more to do. But there's part of me that's also like they didn't just build that Masada set for two episodes, you know? So we have eight episodes left? Yeah. I mean you can do a lot in that time, but I just don't I gotta have faith, I guess, that there's a... Is Jesse gonna do it all on his own? Like, what... I I don't know. That's the other thing, is that, you know... Pardon me if I'm playing with anybody's expectations of what's going to happen by commenting on what I think that shot in the opening titles of the show is, but... Who's with him? It's it's Jesse standing there with Tulip and Cass. Okay. And, and, And it very much looks like Cass has blonde hair, like he did at the beginning of of this season and so and it looks like it's in masada is the thing it looks like it's there and i feel like if that's like some type of final confrontation the three of them are finally together for the last two hours of the show or something like that I don't know. I don't know. I guess it depends. Like, maybe I'll get to the end of the season and be like, man, like, I really love what this is. But I also feel like part of you is just going to be like, dude, if you love this, you're going to fucking love this comic book I got for you. <laughs> and I like <laughs> you might have heard of it. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know. Yeah. I'm I don't want to. I'm trying really hard not to not to bring that aspect into it. No. And I like that's the thing. I'm not I'm not necessarily blaming you for it. It's not like but the the whole the book is better than the movie thing exists for a reason like it's it's, nine times out of ten it's true so you know i guess i'm real curious how the listeners feel like if you listen to our episode and now hate season four preacher i'm really sorry (laughs) lance yeah lance i'm really (laughs) sorry lance but like i this is the first this isn't the first time but i've i've been underwhelmed I feel like if I went back and listened to all of our other seasons, I would probably, I probably feel the same way at the beginning of seasons two and three, like underwhelmed by where it is and concerned about the trajectory of the season and fitting enough stuff in. Well, I think it's really funny because I think season two, there was a lot of like, hey, yeah, this on the road thing's going to be cool. They're going to go a lot of places and then they don't. And then season three, we're kind of like, well, you know, if Angelville's going to be like the first five episodes, right? <laughs> yep. Exactly. No, it was all 10. So I think there's a real risk of us being like, yeah, Masada's going to be like three or four episodes, but is it going to be the whole season? Like, I don't... I'm prepared for Cassidy to be at Masada the whole time and just be uh, really exhausted by the time we get to the end. At least it's not 13 episodes. True. Which is pathetic that now I'm like glad <laughs> it's not longer. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that I'm wrong and that it all comes together and they fit in a lot of the great stuff that I'm looking forward to. I just, at this point as a book reader, I'm already, I've already pretty much resigned myself to the fact that I'm not going to be satisfied. Yeah. And as a show watcher, I just don't feel any momentum from this season. Like just objectively, like I, 
I did like the way episode two ended. I like Jesse on the plane. I think it's funny that he basically chartered a private flight. Yeah. It was very, very cool. Using uh, the word like. Yeah. Just, and then yeah. the pilot thing, I'm putting on the smoking side. I've right? always wanted to do yeah, this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like that was all good. And I was like, all right, we're, the spirit of, of it all is there. And it's good that we're getting some momentum and he's, he's taken off, but it's just the other stuff that I don't really care about anymore. I just am more interested in that. And, uh, you know, wish that, they were all doing it together because by this point in the book, if we're, if what I think is happening instead of something else that I thought was happening, they should be with him. Yeah. They should all be there. So I, yeah, I just don't know how it's going to shake out. I like there would have been no harm in them getting cast out of Masada and then having to go back for some reason, uh, but just like keep them together. But I guess they, they've kind of painted themselves into a corner with this Jesse Cassidy dynamic where, they're at each other's throats all the time but because that, that's not compelling either. Like, I don't want to see them together if all they're going to be doing is bitching and throwing each other through the wall. But that's the thing is, like, I think, I don't know. I guess the deal, I guess they did really paint themselves into a corner because by the end of season three, I think there was part of me that was ready for them to just be like, all right, they're going to get Cassidy out. And, you know, like, it... it learning this was the final season i was like okay they're gonna get cassidy out and then they all have to go on this journey like period they but, have to start doing what they're supposed to have been doing yeah, yeah but the fact that like jesse sent him away and he and cassidy never really got to deal with that after that because they were never together to actually deal with it and the fact that when they do finally get together, they're still bickering and, like, can't, like, come to a head about, like, why what happened happened in the last season. It just kind of sucks. And that means they they, they continued to paint themselves into a corner rather than try and do something to, like... But who knows? Maybe they'll do something unexpected and great. And I hope so. Uh, Bruce wrote in our in our Discord in the show spoilers section... He finished up the new episodes. I like them, but I'm not sure the choice to have Jesse run off like that over a dream necessarily adds up. Feels a bit awkward the way it happens. Uh, but yes, Dr. Pepper is godly. Those are his thoughts. <laughs> he also said, I just need stronger setup for it other than I had weird dreams about Star and heard my dad's voice. Bye. Um, yeah, he should know also from the book. Or, or I shouldn't say that. Cause that sounds condescending. Sorry, Bruce. Um, <laughs> recognize that Jesse leaving tulip behind is not extreme for him like yeah that that happens yeah and usually it's even less motivated it's just him thinking this is the right thing to do even though he's acting selfishly yeah yeah and and i i, I said to him i was like i think some of it could be the fact that like i don't know how invested jesse was in rescuing cassidy in the first place you know still coming off of season three like if Show, show Cass and show Jesse are not like super good friends. Maybe he doesn't give a shit and he's going to leave anyway because he knows Tulip is going to take care of it and get him out. Yeah, maybe. So, or maybe he just feels more importance in finding God, which we know is true anyway. Like, that's what he really wants to do. Yeah. So, anyway, we're back. <laughs> God, that's fucking sad. <laughs> I did really like the first episode. I did too. Part. I did too. And I like having the show back. And I like... There's stuff in episode two I liked for sure. Yeah. I'm just having a hard time. 
I have more negative notes in my phone than positive. So that's kind of naturally what I'm focusing on. You know, uh, when it's all said and done, are we going to do a, a season recap and then are we going to do a series recap or what are we going to do? I'm just, I don't know. I think it's kind of hard. Like it's hard to do a series. recap. Uh, yeah. Are we going to, are we going to wait the re- five months it's going to take us both to watch through three other seasons again? Or like, what, what are we going to do that way? But at the same time, you know, if we, uh, if we decide to continue the show with a comic read and how we want to do that, I think it's still very much up in the air. It's a possibility. Yeah, that could be fun, but um, it also could be. Uh, I mean, we uh, you could do it in like not too many episodes. That's the thing. We could That's do the it thing. Like if episodes. we did like a trade paper by trade paperback would be kind of the right way to do it. I would assume it's just yeah. like we sit down six or so issues at a time. Yeah, and then and then do it that way. Like I think it's reasonable, but w- it's nine trades, right? Something. Yeah, it's not a lot. Um, so you know we. We can kind of consider what we want to do in the future and what you guys want to hear is to let us know. But, um, yeah, Preacher's back. We were excited. Back again. We're now not necessarily as excited, but I'm still excited to see where it goes. I'm still excited because of some of the some of the glimpses of stuff to come that we got. Like, there's, there's badass stuff on the horizon as long as they do it. And, uh, you know, I might be a bit of a head fake. We'll see. I have a feeling, and I, not that I'm trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to feel about the show before <laughs> it ends, but I have a feeling that like we're going to arrive at something at the end that I really love. I think so, too. I don't know if I'm going to feel like the show's going to earn it. I mean, I, I loved the way season three ended in a lot of ways. There were a lot, yeah. a lot of the, the downfall of Angelville I really loved. Yep. So there's no reason to think, even though the journey might have been a little bumpy, it's going to continue to be bumpy, which is... Yeah, I've just, you know, Jesse finding God is uh, is all I really wanted out of the show. Or, or not finding God, but pursuing God. Yeah. And we spent so much time detouring. It's like... Let's get on it. Maybe the real finding God was the friends we made <laughs> along the way. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. On that note, once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. That's... The letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also on TV Time, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. All kinds of different podcatchers. We're G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preachers so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, FX's The Alienist, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread, and it is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of Preacher brings, but until then, go forth and speak the good word.